Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, guys, if you would, uh, get your Bibles out and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 37. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 37. We've been in this study for some weeks now. This is week six. Week one was fear not. We spent some time in the initial part of Isaiah, unpacking episode one of the chosen and Mary's redemption. Then we went to the Sabbath and we spent some time talking about what the Sabbath is and the spiritual discipline of the Sabbath. Then we moved on to in week three, spiritual orphans. So we tacked on that that chosen episode three where Jesus spent the whole episode hanging out with the kids while he was fasting in the wilderness, which I thought was a really cool depiction of that process. And we talked about how even in our community, there are spiritual orphans who don't have spiritual fathers and there are spiritual fathers around here that don't have anybody they're mentoring. And so we talked about that a bit. Then we went to week three, the choice. And we talked about trying to deconstruct the Christianese around what it means to sin and what it means to make the choice to follow Jesus. I did my best to use as little church language as possible to describe that process. Week five was worship night. It was cool. If you missed it, it was it was pretty awesome. One of the guys in the the group said later that that, in his experience, is everything that a men's fellowship or worship is supposed to be. So just so you know, I didn't speak. Everybody else got an open mic. Some people felt guilted into it, but they did it, and it was really good, wasn't it? Who was here for that, for the worship night? Okay. Was it good? If it wasn't good, don't tell me. Just get out of here. (laughs) Good. Today, we're going to talk about how God makes all things new. In the Chosen episode six, this is the episode where Jesus starts healing people publicly. All right, so Chosen episode five. You know, his mom's pressing him to turn the water into wine. He's like, it's not time yet. My time has not come. And she says, if not now, when? (laughs) Oh, dang. Even Jesus got mom pressure. Uh, Yeah, it was was well depicted. But then uh, in Chosen Episode 6, Jesus heals the leper. Everybody's like standing back, like, watch out for the leper guy. And, and Jesus is like, come here, man. Of course I'm willing. Let's do this thing. And then the paralytic man lowered through the roof. Such a man. I shed a few sports tears on that. That was good stuff. So tonight we're going to talk about how he makes all things new. And we're going to actually spend a lot of time in Isaiah tonight. Finally. I told you before that this is an Isaiah study, which means you are going to read the entire book of Isaiah by the end of it. In a couple places, it's kind of a slog, isn't it? You can be honest. Isaiah is tough. Isaiah is a tough book. I told you at the beginning of this, I was intimidated by Isaiah. But we'll have read the entire book of Isaiah. But tonight, we're going to talk quite a bit about Isaiah. 
because I feel like we have enough of it under our belts thus far to actually have an intelligent discussion this evening. So Isaiah chapter 37, verse 29. I'm going to read the verse and we're going to talk a bit about the context. Isaiah 37, verse 29. Because you have raged against me and your arrogance has come to my ears, I will put my hook in your nose, I will put my bit in your mouth, and I will turn you back on the right path. Some translations say back on the way that you came from. This is God speaking to King Hezekiah. So, little backstory, throughout the book of Isaiah thus far, Isaiah has been trying to to take the leadership of Israel and shake them by their shoulders. He's done everything short of, no, he even did that. He walked around naked for three years, not kidding, to get the attention of of the leadership of Israel. He's like, you're going to be like slaves, naked and dirty. Here I am. That, That didn't even get him. So that's been the entire book of Isaiah up until this point is Isaiah trying to get the attention of the leadership to turn from their politics to God and to trust God. So King Hezekiah has has finally come to God because God has shaken him up. In the previous verses, he's sick, like dying sick. He's at the end of his rope. He's basically like shivering in his bed, seeing hallucinations. And he's like, I'm going to die. And he's mourning it. That's what the, that's what the reading was. It's real uplifting. <laughs> and, and God says, and he repents. God, if you let me live one more day, I'm going to do what you said. Finally. I don't know why we're so stubborn, but that's where some people have to get before we finally are like, let's do this thing, man. If you give me one more day, God, I'll do it right. Do what you asked me to do. Stop running the other way. So God says, I've put my hook in your nose like a bull, right? I'm not a farmer, but I hear that the hook in the nose of the bull is to control which direction it goes. Happens to be a very, very tender spot on the bull. You can't really kick it. A bull's a very big animal. But if you grab it by the hook in the nose, it goes where you lead. Oh, take that. The same thing with a bit in a horse's mouth. Anybody ever ridden a horse? Okay. You can't just yank on the hair of the horse's mane. The bit in the mouth of the horse against the horse's favorite way to go is like, ah, yeah, I got this way, ah. I know, right? So true. That's and And God says, I've done that to you, Hezekiah. I've put my hook in your nose. I've put the bit in your mouth. And turned you from the path you were headed down to a different path. King Hezekiah was trying to save Israel. His intentions were good. Check it out. This this blew me away. Skip down to verse 36. I'm a reformed idol speaker, meaning I used to drop lots of cuss words when I spoke. I've tried really hard while teaching Bible study not to to defile our sanctuary. (laughs) I'm not perfect. (laughs) but God's working on me. But in my Bible, I have literally written WTF next to this verse. This is why. Verse 36. 
the angel of the Lord set out. This is after Hezekiah turns. He set out and struck down 185,000 of the Assyrians camped around Israel. And in the morning, when dawn came, they were all dead. Whoa. If you guys don't understand what I just read, read it again. King Hezekiah is trying to save Israel from being overrun by the Assyrians. He's doing dirty politics. God lets him get sick on his deathbed. He repents. And because he repents, God's like, all right, I got you. And the giant army, 185,000 Assyrians camped outside of Israel, that's like bearing down on them, all die. Like, why is that not on a Bible poster somewhere? <laughs> Remember that time when I killed 185,000 people and you had nothing to do with it? You're welcome. That, that's, oh my gosh, if, if there's not a core chapter in Isaiah before we get to the good stuff, the Jesus stuff, the servant of God stuff in the second half of Isaiah, there's not a core verse in Isaiah. Highlight that one. 29 and 36. Isaiah chapter 37, because, because we live in a time today where people look around and say, wow, everything's going to hell in a handbasket. What kind of dirty politics can we play? Where can I put my money? Where can I do this? Where can I do that to hedge all of my bets to make sure everything works out the way it's supposed to? And God's call in Isaiah is, guys, if your heart's right with me, it's going to be okay. And we've been talking about that several times throughout this Bible study. But this chapter is just, it's crazy. Like you guys hear Moses parting the Red Sea. You hear about the Israelites being fed quail and manna in the desert. Like, I don't, Joshua fighting the battle of Jericho. I feel like this is, this needs more airtime, man. Where's that story? I don't, I don't do the WTF part with the kids in the back, but we talk about this stuff. So I don't know how that went, by the way. I don't know. It's like COVID 1.0 or something. <laughs> it's the first round. Um, maybe I shouldn't joke about that, but there it is. Can't take it back. Words are like toothpaste. Once they're out of the tube, oops. So what does this have to do with making all things new? I want you guys to turn with me to Matthew chapter 9, verse 1. Matthew chapter 9, verse 1. There's a connection in the Bible between the Old and New Testament. And one of the connections is the turning from old terrible things in the process of becoming new. And and I feel like it's really exemplified in, in this scene that was shown in The Chosen, but is, but is a very biblical scene. And we're going to pick it up. Matthew chapter 9, verse 1. After getting into a boat, he, that's Jesus, crossed the sea and came to his own town. Just then, some people were carrying a paralyzed man on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. In Luke, by the way, in the Gospel of Luke, this same thing happens, but they're in a house and they're lowered through the roof. Okay. Then some scribes said, "He's bla this man is blaspheming. For who can forgive sins but God? Jesus, perceiving their thoughts, says, why do you think such evil in your hearts? 
which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or stand up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he says to the paralytic, stand up, take your bed, and go home. He stood up and went to his home, and the crowd saw it, were filled with awe, and they glorified God, who had given authority to human beings. What in the world's going on? I can't tell you exactly what's going on, but what I can tell you is that it was very important. It was very important in the Gospels that physical healing and the forgiveness of sins were tied together. That to become something new, that to be made new, was part of the process of turning away from the bad path. It's a really big deal. And if, if uh, I, I could spend, in fact, I do want to do a Bible study on healing specifically. I think that would be a really powerful thing to do. I'm not going to dive into that tonight. But, but this is really important because the idea that Christ makes us new is a part of the process that is, is shown here through physical healing. I'm going to talk more about that in a second in a scientific manner, but but I, I want you to wrap your head around that, that in Isaiah, the process that God is explaining, you had to get down to a place where you were finally ready to repent. And then I stuck my, my hook in your nose and bit in your mouth and made sure you went the right direction. And then I took care of the problem. And I'm doing something new. He says that in Isaiah a lot. We'll come back to it in a second. I'm doing something new. It's, it's a very similar idea. And Jesus exemplifies it. He shows it. The, the turning from death to life results in something new. And, and you see it in a physical body here. And, you know, naysayers might be like, well, how did that work? And why can't I do that yet? If you're asking the question, then you've got a long way to go. But, but you might get there someday. It might be really cool. Turn with me to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. This is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. Corinthians is a very, very strange book because biblical scholars believe it was actually several letters that Paul wrote put together. It wasn't just one letter all the way through, like the letter to the Romans, which is very succinct, straight through. You can tell that it's all part of the same work. But 2 Corinthians is, is like pieces of different letters Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. They were like the rough church. They're the church that he had to write to a lot. <laughs> if you read Corinthians, there are several times in there. <laughs> sounds a lot like a dad going like, how many times do I have to tell you? We have to have this conversation again? Let me put it a different way for you. It's not exact. That's not exactly what he says, but that's the sense of the book. Anyway, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Super cool verse. So if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Everything that is old has passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Everything that's old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new.
Now, in the case of the paralytic and the case of what we're talking about four weeks ago, the choice to turn and follow Jesus, those things are instantaneous things, right? But I want to I get into the Greek here for a second. And I am not a Greek scholar, so my pronunciation is going to be terrible. But this is true. You can look it up. So the, where it says, old things have passed away. All things are becoming new. That phrase in Greek is archaea. You might want to write this down. This is good. A-R-C-H-A-I-A. Archaea. Like I said, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it in Greek. That's the transliteration in English. A-R-C-H-A-I-A. Archaea. <laughs> this one's fun. Gagonin. G-E-G-O-N-E-N. It's probably like gog. Gogonin or something like that, but G-E-G-O-N-E-N. And last, the last word is kaina, K-A-I-N-A. K-A-I-N-A. I have a reason for being so precise here. Archaea gagonin kaina means, the, as our English translation Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new. The reason I point this out is this is the only place in the New Testament that these words exist together. Archaea in the Greek means ancient history, the past, so far away that only our ancestors care about it. <laughs> I don't know how many generations you've looked at your genealogy, but we're talking like great, 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 great grandfather's problem. Not my problem, great, great grandfather's problem. Way in the past. Archaea. It's the only place in the New Testament that this Greek word appears. Gagonin kaina, becoming new. Gagonin is the process. It's the it's not that they are new in this moment, it's that all of those ancient history things are in the process of becoming something kind of brand new, never before seen, novel, beyond imagining. That's what new means. In Ecclesiastes, the writer says there's nothing new under the sun. And he uses the Hebrew version of this. In other words, nothing surprising. <laughs> but that's not what Paul says about Christ. Any man who is in Christ, the ancient news, the old you, so far away from you that you can't even imagine, is in the process of becoming something you can't even imagine. I'm going to say that again. The old you, so long ago that you can't even imagine, is becoming something that you can't even imagine. Do you guys feel me? If that doesn't make your hair stand up, you didn't hear me, okay? Like, close your eyes for me for a second. Picture a time in your life, in the past, that you couldn't even imagine being that guy anymore. Some of us are older than others, so we've got a lot longer history to handle. But picture that guy. Like, who even was that dude? What was he doing? What was he thinking? You, you can't even try to feel that way anymore. You don't even know. It's ancient history. Open your eyes for me. This 
This is the process of becoming new. This is not just a spiritual thing. I'm going to talk about it physically in a second for those of you who are really scientifically minded. But, but this is the process that Paul is describing happens in somebody when they follow Christ. The old is gone, ancient history, way in the past, and all things are becoming new. That makes sense? And God, God cares enough to stick his hook in your nose or bridle or whatever and yank you around if you'll let him. We talked about the easy way or the hard way. You guys remember Bennett a few weeks ago? He's talking about my little boy. I give him the easy way or the hard way. God presents us the same exact choice very often. Look, man, I'm going to put a little tickle in your heart there. You know what you should be up to. You know what you need to drop. You're like, nah, it's not that important. Ah, I'll set it to the side. Ah, I'll push it off. I got other things to do. They're important. It's like saving Israel from the Assyrians. Pretty important, right? It's either a little uncomfortable or a lot of uncomfortable. And I, I don't know. I was talking to a guy recently. I was like, you know, you need to do this. Why aren't you doing it yet? And he said, I don't know what I'm waiting for. I was like, bro, don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. Because I had a conversation with another guy two days later who was like, I wish I could go back and tell myself not to wait. He's losing everything right now. And he would tell any guy, like, you feel God pulling you in that direction? You, you do it. You get up and you do it. Because if you don't do it, well, it's going to hurt. And then you're going to be like, why didn't I do that? I'm going to be less depressing, though. Let's talk about biology and thermodynamics, because that's what you guys came here to really hear, right? <laughs> true, true story. Let's switch to science. This is really cool. So a dude named Ilya Romanovich Pergogin. You don't, don't write that down, because, I mean, you can look him up if you care to, but you'll be like, physical chemistry? Really, Alex? Come on, man. This is This is my nerd background, and some of you are nerds, too, so I love you for being you. Um, he, he actually described what's happening in us as human beings as a dissipative structure. What that means is we are never the same from day to day. We're never the same. So everybody stick your finger up. It's a good finger, a good finger for, for anybody listening. They're sticking the good finger at me and they're all pointing. Okay, cool. So you guys are going to have a brand new finger. Some of you are evolving a little faster than others. So some of you, like Trip back there, he's in like growth phase. Dude's gonna have a new finger every month, man. Brand new. What I mean by new, it's gonna be the same looking finger. On the outside, it looks the same. But every single molecule on that finger is gonna be different. The old skin's gonna die. New skin's gonna grow. What's it gonna go from? The food that you eat. So make sure you eat high quality food because you're literally building yourself out of it. Just had to, had to throw that in there. That was my little trainer montage. But, but the point is, you are never the same. You are constantly growing new. Uh, Pergogin described it as, uh, you guys know that little, when you drain the tub. I don't know if you've taken a bath recently. I can smell a few of you, so maybe not. But, but <laughs> no, that's me. <laughs> my, my bad. But, so, so when you take a bath and, and you let the water out of the bath, the, that little spiral shows up at the drain. You guys know what I'm talking about? That is a dissipating structure. 
the spiral looks the same, but the molecules of water passing through it are different. Does that make sense? That's what Pergogin actually described what human beings are. We look the same on the outside, but we're not the same. We are constantly becoming something new. We are constantly growing, constantly making new fingers and eyeballs and hair. And this is scientific. This is thermodynamics. It's called a non-equilibrated state. But don't Google that either because you'll get really confused. The point is this process of becoming described in Second Corinthians, if any man be in Christ, Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new. This process is constantly happening. And the question is, what is the new you? Tomorrow, are you a little more like Jesus than you were yesterday? You guys feel me? This is the process of becoming new. This is the process of growth. And this process will continue until you die. Till the good Lord takes you away and says, all right, you're as perfect as I can make you. You're out. Somebody else's turn. I'm going to use addiction to illustrate this process. Has anybody ever been addicted to anything? I mean, it doesn't have to be hard stuff. Caffeine's fine. Like, yeah, if you don't raise your hand, you're a liar. 21st century is addicted to caffeine. Uh, if you're addicted to something, the structures of your brain crave it. But if you don't have that thing for a while, the structures of your brain are constantly being made new. Guess what happens? You desire it less and less. You crave the thing less and less. The decision to turn from something toward something else in the process of becoming new makes that thing way, way further in the past over time. No, I'm not saying that doesn't mean you never come back to an addiction. What I'm saying is, is addiction is a good illustration of this process of becoming. The reason I, I, I say all this and we'll, we'll talk more about it in discussion is, as we saw in The Chosen and as we see in our own lives, there's a difference between God and man. And there's a lot of them. But one of the major ones is this. God is being and through Christ we are becoming God exists God is that's how he introduces himself to Moses I am that I am being itself we on the other hand are a process of becoming and this idea that Jesus turning toward Jesus is a part of the process of becoming something new. That's something I want to explore with you guys in our discussion. God is being, and we are becoming. And through Christ, guess what we're becoming more like? Our Father. How cool is that? I'd like to close with a, just a personal story, and then we'll go to discussion. Um, I... I have in my life struggled with addiction and I've struggled with anxiety. Some of it due to adverse childhood events and some of it due to my own hard headedness at, at the same token. Well, 
I was being called to work with kids. More like my wife was like cajoling me into it, but either way, this was five years ago. Kids, I can handle my kids barely, but others people, other people's kids, man, like the only reason that I didn't like shake a child five years ago, like stop crying about things, is honestly, I didn't want to look like a terrible person. They're like, I'm never leaving my kids with Alex again. (laughs) He's like, like, I don't care. They probably need to be shook. That was great. Um, (laughs) in, In the process of service, though, there are a lot of things that God's changed in my heart. And I can honestly tell you five years later, I have no idea who that dude was. I'd much rather hang out with your kids than you, probably. No offense. I'd I'd much rather they're way more fun. Like they'll catch a bubble. You guys don't know how to do that? Anyway. Well, thanks. Yeah, that's that's how you get them to be quiet. And uh, if you if you're ever gonna take hey everybody catch a bubble. And then and then you can read the story and they think it's hilarious. Um five years later, God has made me something new. Where in the beginning I was as stubborn I needed my my hook pulled. I needed the bridle pulled in another direction. I didn't want to. I didn't want to. I didn't want to. But now you can't get me out of there, man. Alex, come to church with us. No, I'd much rather hang out with the fourth graders. They're memorizing verses. They have great prayer requests. We can talk about the stories of the Bible and their eyes light up. I don't want to hang out with you dullards. anxiety is gone the frustration is gone now i'm not going to be holding babies because they stink like just (laughs) i'm just kidding that's this process I i really want you guys to reflect i want you to think about man who was that dude five years ago in your life and if you can't even imagine that guy you can't even put your your feet in the shoes of that guy who was struggling with what he was struggling with how can, how can you even imagine who you're going to be five years from now if you're on the right path? You can't, man. You won't even recognize yourself in the mirror. And the question is, five years from now, when you look at that guy, will you be at peace? Or will you be like, I don't know what I'm waiting for, but, you know, don't be don't be that guy. That bit and that iron hook, they hurt. If you guys would, pray with me. Father God, thank you so much that you're not done with us yet. Thank you so much that you're making us new every single day. And God, thank you so much that you're so patient. I pray that you'll bless every man in this room. Thank you for what you've done in his life in the last five years. And God, I pray that that's just the tip of the iceberg for what you're doing in our lives and our families and in our communities. 
I call down your promise in Jesus' name that you will make all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.